Hello, I'm Will Yeoman, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Well Travelled, where I'm joined today by travel editor Stephen Scarfield. But later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Moens Johansson, who at the moment of speaking to him was just departing from Venice en route to a wonderful Mediterranean journey, ending up in Greece somewhere. Um, so we'll be talking to him later on in the show. But in the meantime, Stephen, welcome back to the Pod Well Travelled. Uh, hello, Will. Um, we, you, you and I have had a big weekend, haven't we? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Venice. <laughs> it wasn't but, that big. It wasn't that big. But but it was wet enough. But though. I'll tell you what, it was it was pretty close. Um, <laughs> it was wet enough. <laughs> yeah, we've we've uh, for the audience, we've been down to Albion, on the south coast of Western Australia, of mm. course, in Great Southern. Mm. And I, one of my favourite spots, actually, Will, I was just thinking about this while you were talking about moans. Um, lots of people go up Mount Clarence to the Anzac, uh, the National Anzac mm, Centre. Mm. But I really like going up Mount Melville, which yes. is the other side of the town, because then you get a view of the town, Princess Royal Harbour. You've got the Ataturk Channel, which is a, an incredible, you know, narrow, you know, you know well, the mm. narrow channel of the harbour, uh, which even, you know, Queen Mary's, you know, the Queens can come in there. The great ocean mm. liners can mm. get into that tiny little, uh, through that tiny gap. And then you're looking across at Oyster Harbour and so on. So, uh, Mount Melville is a, a favourite spot for me. And looking down on that beautiful scene in the sun at the weekend was as good as looking at Venice. It was, a, it was like um, a rare moment of sunshine, should I add. <laughs> it, it comes and goes, doesn't it? It's it pretty does. interesting that coastal weather you know I mean I like it I think you do too so. no I do love I do love it down there this time of year um, and clearly the locals do because one of our three photo walks was just for the locals and they were undeterred by the wet weather weren't they they were actually you know reveling in yeah. it yeah well actually two the, the first two actually were um, uh, with with the help of the city of Albany who sort of helped us put on this whole weekend for mm. readers um, and they'd um that enabled us to, to do these photo walks, so they yes. were uh, put on for locals. And as you say, it was it quite interesting, wasn't it? I think um, walking with walking around um, with people who lived there. Oh. One lady, we, I was photographing something reflected in a window, and she said, "You know, I walk past this every day, and I've never even noticed it before." You know, so. There is that element to the photo walk. Yeah, think. it's it's the kind of experience we have when we do them um, in our home city of Perth, isn't it? Like people are are alerted to the everyday and suddenly see things afresh. Yeah, their own, you know their own town, and the same happened in Albany. But interesting yeah, for us, did. we weren't locals, so that was the difference. No, it did, and I think it happened even in an even more pointed way because being in a smaller town, you're more likely to walk up and down York Street. Absolutely, you, you and Moans just did the photo walk in. Mm. I mean, some of us might not, well, rarely or never go there, so it's a bit different. But, but we really concentrated on the the kind of centre of town, didn't we? So it was very, you know, the entertainment centre, Albany Entertainment Centre, and so on. So it was very interesting to see their reaction. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the other big thing we did, the highlight, I guess, was your uh, round the world dinner at the Albany Entertainment Centre with musician and composer Steve Richter. Well, it was it was just it was, huge. it was a huge night, wasn't it? The um, yes, we were in the Albany Entertainment Centre. We did a gala dinner, which was part of the Albany Maritime Festival, which is still going on down there. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, really, I thought the highlight of the evening actually was we brought down Chef Costa Simatos, who's the executive chef at the University Club of Western Australia, where we do, you know, we do most of our events. Frankly, there's 
they're like part of our team, we're part of their team. Mm. I feel like that after mm. all these years. Mm. And Chef Costa, uh, as our guest chef, had been working with uh, local producers in Great Southern. He'd also be working with uh, Chef Brandon Barrowcliffe, who's down in Albany, and the sort of team at the Entertainment Centre. And they'd sourced, you know, Sterling Ranges beef and Plantagenet pork. Uh, he, he was down there, obviously, and, you know, they got fish pretty much off the back of the boat. Um, lots of produce, local truffles. Um, and then we had Plantagenet wines, which is, of course, the taste of the, the terroir itself, as mm. French would say. Mm. And it was, I thought that the meal was just incredible. I mean, a full-course meal, and it just kept coming out. It was so beautiful, the food. And uh, we had 123 guests, which was our capacity at the uh, entertainment centre for that dinner. Mm. And as you say, I've written, you know, I think a lot of the audience will be familiar with our sort of format of telling stories before each course. And Steve Richter came down with me. We loaded up my vehicle with that much gear. We just about got in ourselves and drove down with all the sound and lights. And, and um, Steve had written fantastic music. I mean, I just thought the music was wild. And he played the, he played the vibraphone and a clay pot and a hang drum and uh, marimbas plus all the electronic music. He had a, a hundred-voice choir in his keyboard at one point. Yeah, we were in that although that was interesting, <laughs> was and, and you know, and his ability to to mimic, like with through using samples, just real instruments, like the guitar, the mandolin, all those instruments popped up at some point along the line as well. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the mandolin because we did a little story about Italy, which which sort of finished off the evening of family story, and um, I was supposed to play the introduction on my mandolin, which I took down, knowing I would never play it on stage, and I mm. didn't. So. Yes, he played. He played mandolin on his keyboard. <laughs> I chickened out. Oh, look! I, I think it was a poor substitute. I think we would much rather have heard the, the real thing, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> uh, it was never going to happen. Anyway. Look, fair enough. But anyway, look, a, a good time was had by all, and out the first uh, of our sort of big events in the regions, taking them out of Perth um, in Western Australia. So yeah. let's hope it's the first of many. Yes, it was, and I think, you know, I mean, the mix for us was so interesting because we had 145 guests coming down on an Adams coach, and um, a lot of others drove themselves down from uh, from Perth or the metro area, um, including one couple who brought the caravan to stay for the week, so we sort of encouraged, I'd like to think we'd encouraged tourism in the region, mm. and then, you know, and then to put on this event, which was, you know, well-supported by locals in Albany, some people had come from Mount Barker and from Denmark and for the Woe Photo Walks too. So it was a lovely mix of uh, bringing people to regional WA and um, and then, you know, giving something to people in regional WA. Yeah. And that was all we were trying to achieve. So I guess we, we might have got there. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think we really did. Okay, look, I reckon we should go and uh, just for contrast, go to Venice and join Mo and Johansson. On the Viking Sea, that's the ship he's on at the moment, and it sounds like a fabulous vessel. Um, and then we'll come back to you because I want to hear about this war between Emirates and Heathrow. <laughs> so let, um, let, let's just go to Moen's first. Let's let's try and restrain ourselves, <laughs> and we'll we'll see what what he's got to say about um, his departure from Venice. 
Okay, so I'm now uh, talking to Moens Johansson, who is on board the Viking Sea, which I believe is just about to leave port. Moens, welcome to the pod well travelled. Yeah, thank you very much, Will. It's a, it's an exciting moment here. I can just feel the boat starting to move as we speak, uh, just pulling out from uh, the harbour here in uh, Fushina, in uh, or, well near Venice. Uh, there's there's been a bit of a change here. I mean, uh, cruise ships are not as uh, I think we've covered before in our pages. They're not allowed to sort of. Uh, dock in Venice itself anymore mm, um, since last year. So um, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a weird sort of situation uh, because when I arrived, I uh, I was you know picked up by the Viking coach and uh, taken to uh, the the uh, station. Uh, Maritama, I think it's called. Uh, my Italian is really bad, as you can <laughs> tell. But um, this <laughs> this is uh, the place where cruise ships used to leave from, uh, and this is where I went to check in. And uh, not having sort of done all of my homework that well, obviously, I, I'm looking around when I get there, and I'm thinking, I can't see the ship anywhere. I wonder what's going on. Oh, okay. And it turns out it's about. 18 kilometers away across the Venetian lagoon on the mainland oh, wow. <laughs> in a sort of uh, industrial port area. So it's, um, it's a bit of a, a sort of a, a different scenario these days. Uh, so a hot tip is uh, if you are going on a cruise and you're leaving from Venice, get here a few days earlier so you have <laughs> time to explore Venice. So don't do as I did, uh, arrive sort of late afternoon and then uh, having to go through the, the check-in process and so on and then come out to the boat and get yourself organized with your luggage and all that sort of stuff uh, and then not really having time to get back into Venice again. <laughs> okay, so you basically so, haven't seen anything uh, of Venice. On this occasion, <laughs> well, I've seen a really sort of... Uh, <laughs> Oh, it's a quite, I don't know how best to put this, just an unattractive sort of uh, industrial port area, oh, yes, yes. really. Uh, it's where, where we're just pulling out from now. But uh, it'll be quite interesting because, uh, you know, I can see Venice across the, the lagoon here and uh, depending on which way we head, we may get some really nice views as we as we just uh, cruise past. Oh, beautiful. Make sure we're heading some for photographs. a place called <laughs> yeah, we're heading for a place called Copa in uh, Slovenia, which is uh, just across across the Adriatic Sea here. Uh, so we should arrive there sort of eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Okay, so what? what, what uh, so that'll be interesting rem- because this is a. Sorry, go on. No, uh, the interesting bit uh, about a lot of the ports that we are visiting, sort of uh, in Slovenia, Croatia, uh, Croatia, and Montenegro. And even down to Greece and so on, it is that, you know, a lot of these ports were heavily influenced by uh, the Venetians, you know, who, you know, back in the in the early days, they were, you know, one of the superpowers in, uh, in the region, certainly, as far as ports go, mm. you know, and trade, everything went through here. So uh, a lot of these, uh, these 
ports across the Adriatic Sea there, they've been sort of heavily influenced by the Venetians. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see. I've never visited some of these places, so I'm really looking forward to that. We're looking forward to reading all about it as well and hopefully we'll get to hook up again next week and see where you're at. But in the meantime, what can you tell us about the ship? What's it like being on board this, uh, what sounds like an amazing vessel? Well, it is It is a nice vessel. I mean, it's a sort of, by cruise ship standards, it's a fairly small sort of uh, vessel. There's, it can take up to about 930 people. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I... It, it's not full, uh, so there is plenty of space around. Uh, I've just been down to see a, a little show down in the theatre, just sort of a welcome show, and, uh, you know, the, there was plenty of uh, seating available there and uh, just walking around the, the ship just before I, I came back to my stateroom to talk to you. It, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously people around, but it's nowhere near sort of... Uh, Fully, fully booked, I wouldn't have thought. Mm. But I'll find out a bit more about that as we go on, I'm sure. No, of course. And what about, uh, what about it's a your... Uh, well-appointed... Uh, yeah. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah the, whole, the whole ship, I mean, is sort of like... A, it's only a fairly new ship. I think it's from 2016. Uh, right. Actually built not far from here uh, at an Italian shipyard. But... Uh, so it's it's all spick and span, and uh, you know it's got that sort of uh, understated Scandinavian design. I guess you know there's lots of wood and uh, sort of muted colours. Uh, you know a lot of the uh, the furnishings are sort of has uh, got blues and sort of uh, I guess beigey sort of colours. It's mm. it's quite a sort of pleasant uh, colour palette to to sort of uh, sit. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's lots of lounges and uh, little sort of quiet areas. There was a, uh, when I, I messaged you earlier um, that uh, I could talk to you now, uh, it, I was sitting in uh, what they call the Explorer's Lounge, which is up on one of the top decks looking uh, out over the bow. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, sort of a library setting with, lots of books about, you know, obviously uh, a lot of it is about Norwegian explorers, but uh, there is a a vast array of really interesting books. I could sort of get lost up there uh, for quite a few hours, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's sort of interesting uh, interesting memorabilia and, uh, you know, like old textants and, uh, you know, uh, old binoculars and those kind of things that's obviously... uh, on, on display in, in sort of cabinets up there. So, yeah, there's lots of uh, interesting things to explore. I haven't really got to the bottom of it all yet. I've just sort of had a quick quick uh, lap around the, the ship here and, uh, you know, it's certainly whet my appetite for, for what lies ahead for the what next lies 10 ahead. days. All right, well, I, I know you want to get to bed soon, but it's one last question. I wanted to ask specifically about your room. What can you tell us about that? And I'm assuming you've got a balcony as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, one of the good things about uh, the Viking cruise ships. There's no inside cabins, so mm. every room has got its own little balcony. Um, and uh, I'm just looking out now, I can see we're just moving across, starting to move across out into the lagoon now. So it won't be, I guess, another fifteen twenty minutes. We'll be cruising past uh, past Venice as as it is. 
but the room is really well appointed. It's uh, it's it's a, I guess like a, a mini suite uh, from my previous sort of uh, cruising experiences. Um, my wife and I. Uh, did a cruise with Princess Cruises a few years ago, and uh, oh, yes. we stayed in a in a mini suite. Uh, and this is very similar to that. You know, you walk in the door. There's a bathroom on the on the right hand side, uh, spacious bathroom, uh, and you know, there's plenty of wardrobe space and that sort of stuff. Uh, and then you come into the main room where there's a a nice big double bed and uh, there's a couple of little chairs and a little coffee table and there's even a little desk where I can where I'm sitting now uh, with my my laptop and that sort of stuff so it's pretty well appointed and uh, of course out on the balcony there's a couple of chairs and a little coffee table as well so yeah oh, I cannot complain <laughs> no I'm sure well I, I, I having no, said it's, it's pretty it's pretty hard to fault I mean it, it it's uh, you know I'm, I'm assuming that uh, during the the COVID lockdown, there, it's been a good opportunity for for many cruise companies to sort of uh, update decor and, and sort of uh, fix up little bits and pieces on on the ships and so on. But this looks virtually new. This ship, it's uh, you know, uh, it's a beautiful, well appointed ship and well maintained, certainly. Well, absolutely. Um, so, as I say, I, I know you, you're keen to, to get to bed, but by the same token, you'll probably want to glimpse um, whatever views you can of Venice as you sail out. But either way, look, what time is it over there, by the way? Uh, it is about, uh, what is it now? It's about 11.45 or something like that. Oh, goodness, it is late. Uh, no, it's not. It's quarter quarter past quarter past 11, so it's not okay. too bad. <laughs> but having, having, <laughs> having been uh, flying for, for most of the last 24 hours, I'm sort of starting to get a little bit weary. Yeah, but don't tell Stephen because he will, he will just say I'm soft. So. <laughs> well, as I said, you, you you might want to set yourself up on the balcony so you can watch the views of Venice as you doze or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, certainly, that was the uh, that was the plan. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, look, it's been great catching up with you, Moans, and, and so glad to hear that you're you've arrived safe and sound, and you're about to embark on this incredible journey. And we definitely look forward to catching up with you next week on the Pod Well Travelled. In the meantime, you take care. Will do. Thanks, Will. Okay, now, Stephen, that was really interesting what he was saying. For anyone who's thinking about going one of these voyages and departing from Venice, that they need to be aware of the new arrangements, don't they? Because they're not letting those big ships um, down the Grand Canal anymore, and you have to use an alternative port, which is 18 kilometres drive. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, last Saturday uh, in print, and of course it's online now, it's Mm. west.com. You, as part of a uh, restart rethink story, we did actually um, outline all of that. The mm. fact that the big ships have stopped in Venice, and they're introducing a day pass system from January. Yes, indeed, um, mid January. So yes, th- that is part of this sort of resetting of tourism in that place. But it's a it's a very good point that you you just if you think you're going to go and see a bit of Venice and jump on the ship, well, you know, you really do need to stay for a couple of nights. Um, just to mention that the, you know, and it, there is a kind of tourism tax. So when you stay overnight in Venice, you're paying, you know, for access as well. So it's it's a great thing to do, and mm. I think that that will really take some of the sting that's been building up in that place and in other places. You know, 
with the numbers of people. There's only 50,000 people living in Venice and 150-plus thousand visitors a day that have been. So yes. they, yeah, people feel a bit overwhelmed. The, the, the other thing I found that was interesting about what Moen says was it points to the fact that um, – you know, although the tourist industry is, in general, is recovering, you know, at an unbelievable rate, there is perhaps still a certain level of caution because he said the ship was was hardly, you know, there weren't that many people on it, and he had, a, you know, he had a free run, which was incredible to hear. Because I thought they probably he heard he, they probably heard he was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mass cancellation. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But no, no, no it's, it's worth true. bearing in mind. You know, it's it, not like you're going to have booked out you know, no, solid ships no, all over the place. It, it's true. No, it's true. We're still coming. You know, it, it's still a it's still a sensitive time, and it's a time when you know there's there's been so much air disruption. Um, you know the there's cancellations. We're all getting COVID and getting mm. over COVID, and, and yeah, look. Um, then there's, you know, there's been the concern over insurance, which I think largely has has passed now because yes. you know, there's widespread access to insurance. But if you were booking six months ago, you'd be worried. Certainly in the cruising field, you'd be worried about insurance because um, it took a while to get that kind of coming through. So yeah, there's lots of reasons, and and. As you, you know, people are just generally cautious, and a lot of people have been through incredible financial hardship. Mm, you know, mm. um, over the last two years, we've in West Australia, we are. You know, once again, we're in a sort of slightly unusual bubble in this place. But having just been to, as you know, to Rome and talking with people I know there, well, I mean, they've they've been, you know, to hell and back. And that mm. the Australian ambassador. Mm. Uh, to Italy, who's, who I was talking with, was was very very emotional. She arrived there in 2020 and went through it with them, and she said right. it's just been hell, you know. So, mm. you know, and lots of people have been out of work and hadn't had the support that we've had. So, there's lots of reasons in the world why uh, why things are pretty sensitive still at the moment. Mm. Mm. Well, it is interesting to note. And, you know, I hesitate to say if you're thinking of booking, you should book now because then you'll have the ship to yourself because then if I say that, you won't <laughs> because yeah, everyone will book. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it does It does vary. Now, I'm taking um, a travel club tour, you know, reflecting back on the weekend. Our next yes. sort of project is I'm taking people with me to France, um, also on a biking ship, actually, um, on a river cruise mm. We sort of start in Nice and then got through Avignon, Isle, Isle Avignon mm. to uh, Lyon. And that ship is completely booked out. Um, we just had some cabins tucked away. So, mm. you know, <laughs> river cruising is, is pretty busy. It is um, pretty busy, yes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, let's get back to that, that headline story, this, this stoush between Emirates and Hitler. Yeah, well, What's it, going on there? It does fit into what... what you know, what we've been saying, this sort of general disruption, because the airlines and airports are suffering. Mm. Well, in in Australia, you know, you've had the added complication of the floods over east, which has been, you know, very disrupting um, to travel generally. Um, but, of course, the underlying issue with, for a lot of airlines and, and airports is, is COVID still mm. with staff. You know, you just need, a set number of staff to fly a plane mm. and the mm. same was running the airport. So on um, uh, about a week ago, Heathrow Airport suddenly sent out a a mandate to airlines telling them to cut cut their flights and in fact it gave 
they gave them 36 hours to comply with capacity cuts. Um, Emirates reacted very strongly to this. They called it Amageddon, which is not my word, it's theirs. Mm. But um, mm. Heathrow had actually, dis- they'd actually um, dictated which flights should be cancelled, which ones should have reduced capacity, uh, in, say, within 36 hours. Right. Um, if you bear in mind that Emirates has reinstated six daily A380 flights since October into mm. Heathrow. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's it's been the leader in kind of keeping airports going in the, around the world in many ways. And they've, they've complied with all the restrictions. So they were facing the backlash from their customers who've got tickets and they pay and everyone's ready to go. And they were told that they couldn't fly in. Um, and they tried to, the, the story then built up because they were trying to find other airports. Well, it's not that easy to find a, an airport that can take a wide-body, mm. long-haul aircraft with 500 passengers at short notice, let alone, you know, several a day. And they they were extremely vocal and upset about it all mm. as on, on behalf of their guests. They mm. felt that, you know, um, Peter had introduced, they'd come up with this number, uh, a cap of 100,000 daily passengers. Mm. Um, when you consider that Heathrow, London Heathrow handles about 80 million a year, mm. I mean, that is a massive, yeah, massive cut within 36 hours' notice. Mm. It, it, it gets confusing now because obviously, you know, obviously there's a fair bit of uh, argumentation going on, behind, going on behind the scenes. Um, that capacity cut to 100,000 departing passengers a day um, is in place from July, well, started on July 12th until September the 11th. The Emirates now are saying that they are honouring all the bookings that they've got, but not taking extra bookings. Any extra so, ones, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. so I think through the rest of this month in August, um, if you've got a ticket with Emirates, that looks like, looks like it's going to be okay. Um, That's good to know. But let's say, you know, look, I think the, the situation there is, is difficult, is tenuous. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, the future of that, and it may be that other airports, you know, there's been some rumours of other airports having to, you know, having to go down the same route. So, yes, it's a, it's a sensitive time to travel. Um, in fact, um, Chef Costa was just coming back from South Africa for our um, Albany weekend, and he got delayed with a connection in Singapore by mm. you know, 24 hours, yeah, 24 hours in Singapore. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you've just got to be prepared that things might not be as smooth as usual, but we've been through, you know, a, a pretty, a completely unusual two and a half years and it's not quite over yet. You know? No, so indeed, indeed. We're used to the fact that things get disrupted and we've just got to stick with it and I was having just this conversation with a reader yesterday who was concerned about booking and obviously a very, uh, a quite a nervous person. And I just said to them, well, well you know, why go now? I mean, we're encouraging, we're writing about the world, but it doesn't have to be this minute, you know. You can exactly. be thinking about it. Um, and she said, well, you're, you know, I'm taking these people to France. I said, well, that is the point. Is that normally where we do travel club tours and I'll, take people to Ethiopia or Oman or Madagascar, 
you know, at this moment, I thought it'd be helpful to have someone along who can who can help with any issues just mm. going to France. Uh, no, absolutely, but yeah. We're actually reacting in our own way to try and help readers travel with with a bit more uh, a bit more backup. So, um, yeah, that's where we are. The, the Heathrow situation looks like it's sort of died down and under control for Emirates. But, of course, that cap affects all airlines. Mm. So, um, and it is immediate. As I say, it's until September. So there will be a fair bit of reduction and disruption uh, going into Heathrow Airport. Well, what can I say? And you, we, we can read more about this in detail. You're going to write something, I think, for the Saturday's West Australian Travel yep, section? Yeah, I've, I've been hanging back just, mm. just so the those uh, folks listening know, you know, because we, uh, print is still so important to us, we, um, we actually typed at the page at noon on a Friday ready for Saturday. Mm. And I'll hang on to a story like this and I'll write it as late as possible so it's mm. completely current. You can take it um, and then, of course, we watch it and watch mm. it. There are occasions, as my good friend William here knows, there are occasions when we'll uh, typeset a page and then I'll suddenly decide we should update it and we get it back and retype it mm. on a mm. Friday afternoon. So mm. I'll try not to do that this week. Oh, no, no, no. Look, I'm sure it'll, it'll all work out. But look, it's, it's always yep. worth it because there's a very good reason to do that. Yep. So, um, yep. So, so we're, we're hanging on to that story. We're just, I'm just watching if there's any reaction from other airports. That's really what I'm watching mm, for of course. On behalf, of, behalf of the audience and all our readers. Yeah, the, the conflict could spread, as they say. In this yep, war, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you, Stephen, and it was great to have Moans on the show from um, yeah, great Dennis, to hear him. Which yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, and we'll certainly it's be fantastic. catching up with him again next week, where he'll hopefully he'll be somewhere around Greece, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm sure we can get him out of the sun lounge or <laughs> get him to say something about it. He, he's doing it tough. But in the meantime, as always, you can you can read us, you know, Saturdays West, Sunday, Sunday Times, e-travel every Wednesday. If you're not getting it, go on to westtravelclub.com.au and hit join. Where else? Online at thewest.com.au forward slash travel. Um, have I missed anything? What about here on the pod every Tuesday? Here on the pod? Mm. That's right. There's lots, lots of stuff going on. We've also got uh, at westtravelclub.com.au, we've got, we're just putting together... Tours next year. I'll be. I've just. We've just finalised. We're finalising Africa for mm. next year. Get a mm. wish list. India for next year. Yeah. And we've got just. We've got a handful of spots left. I'm doing this Norway to Iceland trip, and we're actually. I've actually got stories about that in print on Saturday, so that will fill up pretty quickly. Yeah. No, amazing. Mm. Sure. All right, Stephen, we have a great day. And listeners, uh, it was uh, nice of you to join us and we hope to see you. We can't actually see you, but we can imagine you sitting there with with a cup of tea or coffee and just enjoying this conversation every Tuesday or from every Tuesday. Um, Absolutely. The pod well travelled. Okay, thanks, Stephen. Bye now. Thanks, Will.